Lord, we come before you and we are so thankful to have a Lord's Day, to have a, a Sabbath rest. Thank you for this week helping us just to persist in our work. And I pray, Lord, that we have given you glory and honor for the strength, for the opportunities, for everything that you have allowed us to do this past week. Because apart from you, Lord, there is nothing that we would be able to do. And so, Lord, right now, I just, I cry out to you because I am desperate and I am needy. And I have a great responsibility and I just ask that you will help me. Help me just to teach this lesson. Lord, this is really a lesson about your wonderful bride, the church. And this is a lesson about how even this church can be a blessing in witnessing to individuals. Lord, help us to understand that this is not the primary responsibility of the church, but this is a secondary responsibility or a secondary opportunity. Lord, thank you so much for everyone that is here and thank you for those that are going to come in, that they may be encouraged and that they may, that we may just do this work so that one day we can hear from you, well done, good and faithful servant. We pray this in your son's holy name. Amen. All right. Well, welcome to class number six in evangelism. Um, we are looking at the corporate witness. And when we're saying a corporate witness, what we're referring to is the, is the fact that the church, when we meet, um, we, although it is not the number one responsibility of the church to be preaching the gospel, it is the number one responsibility of the church to be worshiping and glorifying and coming together for the sake of God's glory and honor. That is the church's number one responsibility. But in the process, we need to recognize that when individual non-believers come to church, that is a great opportunity for them to hear the gospel. And so we're recognizing where the level of responsibility is. We're trying to look at different opportunities that you may have in regards to inviting people to church. And we're just trying to expand your understanding. Okay? And so this lesson we're just going to go through and and look at how the corporate gathering proclaims the gospel. We're looking at incorporating uh, the corporate gathering in evangelism and how the church encourages us to be faithful in evangelism. All right? So the first one is that the corporate gathering, it proclaims the gospel. All right. When we come together 
And this is one of those measures. How many, if you were to go to a church for the first time, how would you go about sort of determining, is this a good church or is this a church that needs to grow in certain areas? How would you go about, what measures would you look at? <laughs> yes, if they ever open a Bible. Amen. If they don't open a Bible, should you, should you run? <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Yeah, Christ is at the center. And oftentimes when you listen to the, the message, when you listen to the preaching that is given, are they, is everything wrapped around? Is Jesus Christ, is God the hub, and everything else is interconnected with that? Um, and even going back to what Danielle said, do you get training from the scriptures that encourages you to use the Bible in the decisions that you make in your life? You know, if a church is just using sort of worldly ways of looking at things, um, you know, I was watching a message yesterday from a, one of a local church and it was a message that it, it was sort of talking about God's plan as it relates to tithing and giving. And the demonstration that the pastor did, um, although it was true, and he was talking about the 10% and the 90%, and, and, and saying, he was rightly saying that all of this is God's. You are just the steward. He was rightly saying that. But he did a demonstration where he put, items were brought to him and he put 1% or 10% here and he put the 90% here. And you see this being very little. And this, this table is just overfilled. And the one thing that it just... It was bothering me a little bit until I finally realized the reason that we give the 1% or the 10% is not necessarily because we're commanded to. No, the reason why we give it is because we love the Lord and we want to see the church grow. And that's how we demonstrate that, is by giving. And it's not, we don't, we're not commanded within the new covenant to give the 10% per se, but we are encouraged to give from our heart. And that very well could mean if the Lord encourages you, it's more than 10%. It could be 20. It could be who knows. Um, one of the best stories that I have heard regarding that was actually in regards to John Wesley. And for Mr. Wesley, when he first became a believer, I believe it was at the age of, I think it was 38, because he passed away at 83. And at 38, he ended up earning 17 pounds um, during that year. 
Um, doesn't sound like much, but back when he was around, that was a fairly decent living. And he earned 17 pounds. He tithed one pound. And once he realized that he did not even tithe the 10%, it sort of hit his heart. His conscience was um, pricked, and he decided, he determined, okay, I was able to live on 16 pounds. So what I'm going to do this next year is, whatever the Lord gives me, I'll live on the 16, but I'll give the rest away. And that's what he did. And he did that every year until he died at 83. And they said at the time that he died that he was earning over, I think it was 1,500 pounds. Now the thing was is that he was the one, have you ever heard of the Methodist hymnal? Probably one of the more respected hymnals around. He actually was responsible and paid for the entire um, production, all the paper, all of these hymnals that went around through England. He was responsible for starting and maintaining, um, was it orphanages? He was able to do all of those things because he made a commitment to live on 16 pounds but give the rest away. That God would sustain him just as God sustained the Israelites in the desert for 40 years and their clothes and their shoes and everything that they wore and all of their food was provided for. They did not wear out. He was like, if the Lord could do that for the Israelites, he could sustain me on 16. And the reason why I'm sort of talking about that is because the church should be a place where we hear the word of God. We hear from God. And so when you are a part of a good Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church, you should feel encouraged and comforted to ask or to invite individuals that you may be sharing with to come. How many did I take my family to? Um, so I had been a part of Shadow Hills Baptist Church uh, from 1993 until uh, 2006. And by the grace of God, um, I, I realized that there was, there was some issues there. And I needed to take my family to a church that was more, that was biblically going to be preaching the word. Um, you know, we would sometimes go to a church and one of the measures, number one, I wanted to hear the gospel from the pastor. Number two, I wanted there to be um, some interest in evangelism. And so I would make a time and uh, go talk to the pastor and ask them about how they did evangelism. And then ultimately, I wanted to know are my children, if they go to a Sunday school, are they being taught and confirm, confirming the things that I teach them at home? And so when we would get done, Jen and I would say, okay, what do you think? Did we hear the gospel? Yes, no. Did we, you know, did you have a chance to talk to the pastor about evangelism? Yes, no. And then we would ask the kids, 
And we would say, so what did you learn today in Sunday school? Now, there was one church that we went to, and it was so funny because we're like going, you know, the kids were just sort of wired. They were wired for sound a little bit. And we're like going, why are they so wired? And so we get into the van and we ask them, so what did you learn in Sunday school? And the four oldest go, we don't remember. And we're like going, okay. And they said, but they gave us candy. (laughs) And we're like, no, how could they give you candy? But that was, that was their thing. They, they gave the kids candy and they played games and, and come to find out they really didn't take the time to teach. They didn't take the time to do that. Evangelism is the process of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to others. And it could be, you know, talking to, talking to an individual um, who doesn't believe in God. It could be a number of ways. It's, but ultimately, the hope is that in this, you will help them to understand better what is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? All right? That's, that's what evangelism is. All right. So, corporate, oh, to answer your question, how many? 13 churches before we got to this one. 13 over 18 months. And so literally my wife would wake up and she said, okay, so which, where are we going today? And then the kids would be going, is this going to be a new church? And, you know, because they were, they were little. They were like five and three. And then, let's see. Well, you, no, you were around. No, they were older. No. How old are you guys? Like six or seven. <laughs> six or seven because you were just a baby. You were only. We yeah, we got here when you were one. So you don't remember Paul Washer. No. no being here. So anyway. Well, you know what? It was such a beautiful thing because, number one, when we walked in that night, um, we were warmly greeted. And we're like going, oh, this is really good because the church that we were at, um, we would run into people from the church at the grocery store and they would say, hey, how are you doing? And then turn the cart and walk away. And we're like, is there something wrong with us? Well, come to find out, they were intimidated because we, the pastor was really being encouraged about the evangelism and was calling the individuals within the church to be more evangelistic in nature. And next thing I know, we were being shunned by all the members of the church. And it was just a weird situation. But ultimately what ended up happening was, you know, we heard the gospel I got a call then. Marty Gillespie said, hey, brother, I'm going to go to this church. I'm going to check it out. And I get a call from Marty. He goes, guess what? Guess what? And I was like, what? He goes, they're teaching evangelism in Sunday school. There's this little short Filipino guy. He's got like thinning hair. He's teaching Sunday school. And so the next Sunday I came in and I met Rolo, Rolito Bernalis for the very first time, and we have been great friends ever since. So, by the grace of God. So, yes. Paul Washer. Paul Washer is an individual that back in 
2005, he did what is called a... What was the name of this sermon? Uh, Shocking Youth Message. He was asked to speak at the Alabama Baptist Youth Conference. And he ended up giving a message that was basically it, you know, like Vody Bauckham says, if you can't say amen, say ouch. It, that's what happened. All of these youth were absolutely shocked because he said, what you are demonstrating in your worship here today is not a worship towards God. It's a worship towards entertainment. And you are claiming to be believers in Christ. Well, there are certain fruits. There are certain actions. He said, you guys had a mosh pit at the front here. And because we, I'm a speaker, my wife and I, my wife got stepped on a handful of times because of this mosh pit. And so he really, so Paul Washer, and he, if you are familiar with Heart Cry Ministries, Heart Cry recognized that Paul Washer, when he went to Peru, um, as a missionary, he realized that there were some really God-fearing and gifted pastors that lived in Peru. And here he was, he left the U.S., didn't know the culture, didn't know the language, didn't know all of this, and was given all this money, and he realized that if I took the money that was given to me and just gave it to a handful of pastors, they could do so much more with that money than I could. He said, I could have sent out four pastors with what they were giving me. And so that's what their ministry does, is they provide support to godly pastors within the countries who know the, the language, who know the, the culture, who know everything, and are ready just to hit the ground running if they get a little support. Right now, there are supporting 336 uh, missionaries in, no, 52 countries, I believe it is. So I may have, I'm probably got those numbers wrong. If you have not seen Shocking Youth Network, type it in, watch it on the YouTube machine, because it is worth it. Mm -hmm. And it is something that we should take seriously. Mm -hmm. The rest of the world thinks, oh, well, I profess Christ, but I can live like the world. Mm -hmm. Rush like the world, I can act like the world, I can do everything that the world wants, but yet I can press Christ. And Paul Washer says, no. Mm -hmm. Complete. Shocking Bless you. message. Bless you. Shocking yep. You. All right. So, at the corporate gathering, um, the proclaiming of the gospel. Number one, when the church gathers, non-Christians can hear the gospel proclaimed. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 2 says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead in view of his appearing and his kingdom. I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. All right. 
That is the responsibility of not only elders, but teachers within the church, is that we need to be able to give a reason for the hope that we have. We, the reason that we have any hope is because of what Christ did, the gospel message. That gospel message is something that needs to be at the core and in the center. And so when you hear it from, from the pulpit, you should be encouraged. You should, you should be so thankful because there are a lot of churches that will meet today that that message is not connected and the only not connected with what is being preached and because of that you don't see how everything is related to the glory of the gospel everything so number two when the church gathers non-christians can hear the gospel prayed have you ever realized that the lord's prayer in many ways it is a reflection of the gospel right think about it when we went in week number two through the gospel and looked at what are the different aspects we said oh well first you got to start off with god right then you talk about man the greatest creation but then you go into the sin and you talk about sin and the need for a savior and then you bring in christ right and all that he's done well a lot of those aspects are there so let's look matthew 6 9 through 13 pray then like this our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we start off with God. We're recognizing his power, his glory, who he is. And then we also are affirming his name. All right, And that's one of the things. When we are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. We are saying that this individual of humanity, this individual, one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so we also look that he not only gives us what we need, but he provides for those that are his forgiveness. And that is the biggest part, or one of the biggest parts of the gospel, is the forgiveness that is given as a gift, a gracious gift by our Lord. Amen. And then, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. All of these aspects are seen in the actual gospel message. So, number three, when the church gathers, non-Christians can hear the gospel in songs we sing. All right? Psalm 119, 172. My tongue will sing of your word, 
for all of your commandments are right. Right? And Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So, when you look, one of the things that I love about this church is the fact that all of the brothers, or I should say the elders specifically, they want and desire us to sing biblically correct, theologically correct hymns and songs. They want that. Because it makes no sense singing something that is not actually consistent with the Scriptures. That, that's actually would be in the lines of a false teaching. That would be devastating. I mean, I remember one of the times when um, my family and I, we went to go see a pastor that Jen had grown up listening to, um, and he had come back into town from Chicago. And so we went, and we were at this particular church, and the music was playing, and I can remember... um, you know, the, the kids at that time, they, they, um, they hadn't come to faith. Uh, none of them had come to faith, and they were so excited. They were so excited about the music because there was lights, and there was drums, and there was, you know, guitars and all this. And I remember one of my children looking back at me and saying, I like this worship music, Daddy. And I was just, as a parent, that crushed my soul. Because I knew that if he was truly a born-again believer, wouldn't be saying that. Would be going, ah. this is a 7-Eleven song. You know what a 7-Eleven song is? You say the same words, same seven words, 11 times over and over and over and over. <sighs> I'm sorry, 7-Eleven songs have no depth. Give me depth. When we went about putting together the pocket hymnal, we started off with a group of 100 songs, and trust me, there were 100 hymns that rightfully should have been in there. But we wanted to make sure that that could fit into a pocket. And so we couldn't do 100. And so going through, and we would, we would seriously, it was a group of us who were sitting there going through the songs and, and singing them and going, oh, how could we leave this one out? How can we leave that one? I can't believe that. We were actually considering leaving. When you sing these songs, it gives you a proper understanding of the glory of God. When you look, and that's one of the things that I've enjoyed doing with, um, with the kids is periodically looking at songs and going through them. Just read. The, if, you, if you're not able to sing because it's early in the morning, just read these songs. Just read them. 
and meditate upon them and be blown away by the depth of them. All right. Uh, when the church gathers, non-Christians can see the gospel displayed. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And we know this. This is what the great commission. Thank you. <laughs> and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's exactly what the world needs to see. That's what non-believers need to see. They need to see us sharing the gospel that they can become believers. They need to see then that these individuals are baptized and brought into the family. That they are now a part of the church because of their public demonstration of their internal change. And then they need to see that we disciple and we teach and that we are together and we love one another. I believe that this church is getting closer and closer all the time to this sort of being a hub within our lives. And what I mean is that I enjoy getting together with my brothers and my sisters. Amen. I enjoy it so much. I would love to be able to do it throughout the week as well. That this is just a place that we come to where we can not only meet each other's needs, but we can begin meeting the needs of those around us. They need to come in and see that this Jesus Christ isn't just someone that we profess. That this Jesus Christ has changed our lives. That's what they need to see. And sometimes that means that we've got to get down and dirty and deal with individuals that may be very difficult. But because of love, because they're image bearers of God, it's worth it. It is worth it. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26 says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when, we, when he was betrayed, took bread, and we had, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What are we talking about there? What is that that I just read? The Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper. When non-Christians are, are here at the church and they see us taking the Lord's Supper, which I believe, are we doing today? Yes. When we are doing that, we are demonstrating something to them. And that is... We are proclaiming the Lord's death. 
that he, Jesus Christ, the God-man, 100% God, 100% man, had never sinned in his life, and yet he offered himself up on the cross. He could have easily said to Pontius Pilate, those things that they're claiming about me, those things that they're saying that I'm doing, he could have shown them through the Scriptures that everything that he was saying was correct. But instead, he kept his mouth shut and he took the full punishment. And that's what we're proclaiming up here. His death, because of his death, what were his last words? It is finished. It is done. The sins have been paid for. You are free. You were bound in prison. You were deserving of hell. And now you are allowed to walk out of that prison as a free individual. That's what's being proclaimed when we do this today. When we are looking at the Lord's Supper, we are proclaiming, I am free. It has been done. It has been paid for. This is not supposed to be just a simple ritual. Do not let it become a simple ritual. Let it be something that burns you at your core that you are so thankful to be a part of. Because this is representing one of the most catastrophic and horrible events in all of history. But because of that, we are free. All right, number five. When the church gathers, non-Christians see the gospel lived out. John 13, 34 through 35. A new commandment I give to you that the that you love one another just as I've loved you. Um, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have a love for one another. John 17, 20 through 23. I do not ask these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you love me. Those two are dealing so much with the fact that we as believers are supposed to be united in one. The first time I remember actually feeling or sensing this was the very first evangelism boot camp that I attended in uh, LA in July of 2005. There were 120 of us from 50 states and three countries all gathered together for this purpose of sharing the gospel out on, was it uh, Hollywood Boulevard 
down at Huntington Beach Pier. Um, we just went out there together. And it was so incredible because we were all different. We came from all different places. But yet, this felt like home. Just being with them. And that's how things should be growing for this church, for this body of believers. We should be living life together. We should be encouraged. And I got to say, like, I know that the Dominici's, their um, hope is to move down to Georgia to be close to their oldest son. Um, but what was holding them up from being able to do that was the sale of their house. And that's been a, a big issue. We've been praying for that for months and months and months. And it was so wonderful, all of a sudden, John, to send out a text and said, we just sold the house. They accepted our counter offer. And then everyone is like, praise the Lord. So sorry that we're going to lose you but we know that this is for your, for you, the best thing for you. And, and especially Lori, she needs that support. She needs that support. And how awesome is that, that even though he's going to be, or they will be leaving, that we can demonstrate that love through text and, to, and let them know that we're happy, but yet we're saddened. This church is such an important support, you know? And we, do we have room to grow? Absolutely. We'll have room to grow for a long time. But when individuals see that love that we have, that is going to be one of the things. Because trust me, when you get individuals, co-workers together, are they always loving? <laughs> I heard one, uh-uh, <laughs> very loud. <laughs> Alicia, <laughs> mm -mm. no, co-workers are not loving because they're not family. This is my eternal family. There are going to be some blood relatives of mine that unfortunately I will not be with in heaven. I wish and I hope and I pray that they will. But unless the Lord miraculously saves them, that will not be the case. But this, this is my family. So, all right. Number two, incorporating the corporate gathering in evangelism. All right. When we talk about the church, we should speak highly about it. All right. How do most people that are unbelievers view the church? Hypocrites. Hypocrites. Oh my goodness, they're always... They say that they're going to do that. And they they're haters. Oh, they're such haters. They are such haters. How could they... I mean, they don't even, you know, want there to be gay marriage. and They don't want these things. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think one, oh, one of the elders sent us the, uh, a video from NBC's New Amsterdam. And I, I, 
there's some of the stuff within that series that I think is good, how they're looking at individuals, trying to help them out, doing all those things. Um, but yet there's some times where they just, and it's that moment when all of these individuals from the hospital realize that um, Roe v. Wade was overturned. And what ends up happening, and this is the part that kills me, is that they were looking at like their own children and mourning. And I'm like, do they recognize that they're just like making fun of themselves in that moment? And the thing is, is that wouldn't that be as they're looking at their children? Doesn't that demonstrate a certain amount of hatred towards life? But the thing is, is would we expect anything different from unbelievers? Because the only life that is truly important for an unbeliever in most cases is their own. That's the only life. Everyone else is, that's all by chance. And so when it comes down to it, they, they talk about how there's hypocrisy. They talk about pastors that fail, you know, or fall into different types of sin. There's all these things. But pray for your church on a daily basis that what people see, what people see is that this is a place where God has changed. All right? Do we, this week, my, one of my daughters was um, auditioning for a new musical. And she was concerned about everything with it. And ultimately, you know, she was worried because they were going to be doing a tap audition or a tap call, and she hasn't had much experience doing tap. And so I said, here's my prayer for you. I said, you've got to understand that the God that created everything is able to affect the eyes of individuals. And I gave the story of, and I sent it to her of, I think it's the prophet um, Elisha. It's, I'm probably saying that wrong. Um, but what happened was they were surrounded by the enemy. And what happened was the, the helper of the prophet comes out and sees all of their, this enemy that's surrounding them. And here is the prophet saying, hey, don't worry about it. Because we are far greater than they are. And he's like, what? I don't see anyone here defending us against all of them. And by the grace of God, all of a sudden his eyes were, were awakened and he could see all of the angels around that were much more in number. And the whole thing is, is that we have a God that can affect the eyes, that can affect people on what they see. Why is it that you can talk to someone and they're able to hear, I mean, to, you tell them so much, but they're only able to see certain things. They're only able to, 
to hear certain things, isn't that by God's design? If he is the God of the ends, isn't he also the God of the means? And so let's pray that when people are coming into this church, that they will see the love, that they will see the togetherness, that they will see a reverence for who God is and of Jesus Christ. All right? Let's see. So number two, we should invite non-Christians to church. Who would agree with this? Yeah? We should. Is the church designed for non-Christians? No. No. Let's be clear. The church is not designed for non-Christians. The reason why the church is not designed for non-Christians is because what is being preached, what is being proclaimed, is for the growing and the edification of Christians. Plain and simple. But does that mean that non-Christians should not be invited? No. Non-Christians should be invited so that they can see and hear the things of the gospel. So that they can recognize that this isn't just some imaginary belief system. This is actually faith being acted out and the truth coming to life. All right? One of the things that I wrote down there is this is not a substitute for sharing the gospel to others. It's not. Do not think that the way you're going to get the gospel to a friend is by inviting them to church. You share the gospel first and make that a habit. Share the gospel and then invite them to church so that they can see. Okay? Does that make sense? Share the gospel first. This should be a confirmation. The gospel that you've given them should be confirmed as they witness the efforts within the church. They should be encouraged by those things. Um, it, it was interesting. I had one patient this week. Um, I can't remember what the initial comment was. We were talking and, and trying to help him get established for transportation through the RTC paratransit. And um, I, I said something, yeah, all to the glory of God, something like that. And he goes, oh, are you a Christian? And we started a conversation. And, and ultimately, um, you know, I was just asking him some simple questions regarding his faith and what he believes. And he is in desperate need of getting to a church. Desperate, desperate need. He wants to get to a church. He said, I was even so desperate, I went to this, have you ever heard of the Mormons? And I said, yeah. And he goes, man, are they off or what? And I was like, yeah, well, that's a different story. Come to find out, all of a sudden, Jen was listening to the story as she was getting ready. And so she comes in and she goes, why didn't you invite him to our church? And I was like going, you know what? I know that as I follow up with him, I don't want to necessarily go to him right now or 
because there's no way for him to get where he lives to the church. But once he gets to RTC, I'm going to be inviting him to church. I'm going to be inviting him. And Lord knows, after talking a little bit with him, and here's the thing. Did I see some things that he said that were concerning to me? Yes. But I wanted to be gentle with him. I didn't want to hit him over the head and say, ah, you can't believe that. I I needed to be gentle and loving. And I I needed him to know that the number one priority is, or the number one glory is that Jesus Christ, what a wonderful Savior he is. And that's what I try to focus in on in that conversation. All right. Um, so number three, we are at number three. Oh, before we go on to number three, it was at this point, if I, if I uh, say your name, please raise your hand. Uh, Alicia Askin. Jessica Nunez, Emmy Skelton, Chris Matron, and Matthew Kraft. Thank you guys for sending me your testimonies. You get an A. The rest of you, I don't know. I was looking for, I enjoy reading testimonies. I enjoy reading testimonies. And you guys gave me a lot of enjoyment. So thank you. Because in those testimonies, I see the power of God. There are certain things that individuals are stuck in. There are certain sins that they're stuck in. And you can, you know how overwhelming that is. But then, by the grace of God, you are freed from it. And that is a confirmation of God's saving grace. How beautiful and wonderful is that? Give me, give me testimonies. So if you did not send me a testimony, please send it to me this next week. Let me give you my email address again. It is Doug70 underscore 7 at hotmail.com. Yes, I know that ages me that I got a Hotmail account, but I don't care. <laughs> at least it's not an AOL account, okay? An AOL, very good. What is an AOL account? That is the, oh, America Online. You've got mail. Thank you. Thank you. AOL was one of the earliest subscribers that provided internet access as well as email. And so you used to not have internet connection. You had dial-up connection. Ooh, boy, was that some good times. Hot. All right. So, Doug70 underscore seven at hotmail.com. All right. How the church encourages us to be faithful in evangelism. Our local, the local church equips us to evangelize. All right. God gives us this. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, the Apostle Paul said, And he, meaning God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints 
for the work of ministry, the ministry of reconciliation, for building up the body of Christ. You who are believers are a part of that ministry. You are a part of sharing the gospel. What do we have here for you? Well, obviously we're doing this training. We have got tracks. In fact, in the storage shed, I think we still have somewhere in the neighborhood of 35,000 tracks um, for those who were carrying in and out the boxes with, before we moved the sheds, they would know about this. Um, we have different DVDs. We have different training um, materials. We have different things in regards to if you are talking to an atheist, there's some information out there on how to talk to an atheist or videos to give them that they can watch. If you look underneath the first table where, they, where the bulletins are placed, underneath that table, you will see tons of material. That's free for the taking. We want you to take those things and disperse them outside of the walls of the church. All right? Next, the local church provides opportunities for evangelism. All right? We are going to be doing VBS this summer. Do you guys know what VBS is? No? <laughs> Matthew Kraft, you better know since you're leading it. <laughs> Vacation Bible School. For one week, we will have children coming in to hear the message of Jesus Christ. All right? What a wonderful opportunity. If you are a little scared of talking to your coworker, if you would it be easier if it was a child? Come in. Help us out for that week. Talk to the children and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right? A plug for VBS, brother. You, you got to claim it. Yeah, I'm VBS. <laughs> so, um, yes. We have got the Spring Foodie Fest. If you look in the uh, weekly, we've already been mentioning for the past two weeks about the Foodie Fest that's coming up in, I want to say March? March or April? March. And so Foodie Fest we will be back at. That's an opportunity. Um, you can get in free to the actual Foodie Fest, and then we will have a booth there we're hoping to have a double booth so we're not on top of each other and it, it will just be a one that is a wonderful venue of sharing the gospel and using the good person test to get them to the gospel um so all right um then i'm trying to think of other other opportunities we have individuals that that go down to different places throughout town. Um, yeah, Fremont Street on Saturday nights. Um, we've got the abortion clinic that they go to for the sake of hopefully people will stop and engage and talk and they will make a decision that they need to protect this, this wonderful gift that they've been given, this child. And so... Um, the local church, the last one, the local church encourages us to evangelize. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, and let us consider how to stir up one another in love 
and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day drawing near. When we come together, you realize that every day that we come together, we are one day closer to an eternity with Christ. And when we see each other, that should be a, something that just helps us remember. It's closer. We're closer. Hold on. Hold tight. Our Lord is going to return. But in the meantime, we need to take this gospel out. We need to, we need to be sharing it. Yeah. Can I just make a comment on something here? Yeah. On section uh, two. Yeah. Where you said uh, we should talk about the church, we should speak highly of the church. So the church is the bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. So in other words, my wife, Jen, who, you know, is absolutely wonderful across the board, (laughs) are there some things that maybe she does that bother me at times? Maybe, maybe, (laughs) but if anyone said anything negative or derogatory about her, do you think I would have some issues? I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there, so don't talk bad about my wife. And that's the way Christ is. He doesn't, if you are talking about his church. Now, if you are talking about a gathering of individuals where you see that things are not being done biblically, are you allowed to point those things out? Absolutely. But don't, don't talk bad about the church. Don't talk bad about this gathering because we're, guess what? This gathering, no, I'm, I'm not going to say that. I was going, no, I'm not going to say that. Thank you, Lord, for a filter. <laughs> anyway, um, we need to speak up the church. The church is the bride of Christ. Thank you, brother. That's a perfect point. Yes, sir. Confront him. him and say an hour or two or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that is a very tricky area. It is. Very, very, very it is. Area. And I'm just to judge outside the church. Right. I'm judging them already. Mm-hmm. But inside the church, in order to make sure that our brothers and sisters mm-hmm. are staying in and mm-hmm. are actually mm-hmm. worshiping Jesus Christ, we sometimes we have to say things. Absolutely. We should. I mean have you been approached by other individuals here in the church when you have said and done things wrong? Yep. Yeah? Absolutely. That is God's design. And that is His love for His bride to give someone the encouragement or the strength to approach you and to point out sin or possible sin. All right, let's pray. 
Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for everyone that is here. And, and Lord, please just help this church body to continue to grow so that you may be glorified. But Lord, that one day we can finally be with you. We pray this in your son's holy name. Amen.